This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Now, spreading freedom across the nation, this is The Buck Sexton Show. Well, it is The Buck Sexton Show. However, Buck is not here today. Michael Pelka sitting in for my friend Buck Sexton. He will be back tomorrow. And hopefully my voice will be back tomorrow for the return of the primetime edition of Pure Opelka. 7 to 10 here on the Blaze Radio Network. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to all of the uh, crew here that assemble in the Freedom Hut. Today I'm, I'm coming to you live from the constitutionally protected First Amendment bunker, the free speech bunker in the woods of Delaware, where it's been raining for the last three days and it's getting to be a little depressing. But we're in a new year. We're in 2017. As of about Hmm, 45 seconds ago, Vice President Biden, outgoing Vice President Biden, just gaveled in the new Senate, and uh, things are in action. Now, any of your friends who said, uh, oh, gee, uh, there's a there's a 15-minute recess where the old Senate closes and the new Senate starts, and maybe, just maybe, President Obama will do a recess appointment of Merrick Garland and he'll be on the Supreme Court. Well, no, no, that, that's not happening. And even if the president, the outgoing president, were foolish enough to do that, um, it, it wouldn't hold up. It's already been in constitutionally uh, denied. It's already been something that, that the Supreme Court has said, no, no, that's not a legitimate thing. So all of your... All of your buddies who are on the left, and let's not kid ourselves, we have people who can't handle the fact that it's President-elect Trump. They all need to, they need a hug. So give them a hug today, because today, today starts the 115th Congress. And the GOP has 241 seats, and the Dems have 194, and they hold a slim 52-48 majority in the Senate. But that's enough to say with the White House that you have a mandate, Republicans, and what will you do with it? Now, as we speak, there's uh, an emergency meeting going on. As you may have heard, last night, the House changed some of the rules and decided to uh, eliminate the bipartisan external ethics review panel, and the left lost its mind. Donald Trump even said, with all the things we have to do, this is not a priority, guys. And I think Trump, who, again, was not my choice for president, neither was Hillary. He wasn't my first choice. 
I voted for him because I wanted the Supreme Court in the hands of a conservative or even a sort of conservative. But Trump showed his presidential timber by posting that tweet because now there's this emergency meeting. Uh, McCarthy and uh, Speaker Ryan were both against this move, this move to uh, change the ethics rules. And they were soundly defeated in the initial vote. Well, with all of the stink that was made in the last 12 hours, it appears that uh, Republicans have said, uh, you know, guys, uh, uh, we might want to rethink this. And so there's this emergency meeting going on right now where we should have had the uh, gaveling in of the new House and going on with the 115th con Congress. But uh, th they're not even close to a quorum. So th things are moving. But uh, Biden will now swear every all the new members of the Senate will be sworn in. And then he will take everybody into the room where they do the family photos. And he uh, he makes all those uncomfortable moves. <laughs> I'm going to start laughing. All those uncomfortable moves with the women where Uncle Joe gets a little handsy. So that might be going on today. We might get some good video out of this. And I, uh, if you want to join the conversation on Twitter, please. Uh, my, my Twitter handle is at StuntBrain, all one word, S-T-U-N-T-B-R-A-I-N. Earlier, just minutes before the start of the 115th Congress, I tweeted that um, they all kept talking about swearing in on MSNBC and CNN and Fox. Today, the swearing in. And in the back of my head, I just wish they were swearing. I really wish we would hear some of these people in hot mic-like moments actually saying how they felt. Because you know they curse like sailors. Are you, are you kidding me? You, Boehner, now that he's gone, can you imagine what Boehner was really saying when the cameras weren't on? So I wish that would happen. Now, coming up on today's show, we're going to talk about uh, several different things. We're monitoring this emergency meeting of the House GOP on the ethics rules changes. We're monitoring the swearing in. If uh, Biden will, in fact, get handsy. I don't think there was even a snowball's chance in hell that Obama was going to try and make a recess appointment of Merrick Garland to the Supreme Court. Oh, I forgot. Aside from it being unconstitutional, it would also cost Garland his position that he holds right now, a position he's been paid to do for the last nine months, but hasn't been able to do it because he is a appointee or a nominee, which seems to be a pretty good gig. You get a nine-month vacation? So Garland really owes us nine months of work. I prefer we wouldn't give him another break like that. But um, we'll get to North Korea We'll monitor this situation. I want to talk more about Russia. I want to talk about Julian Assange. Uh, I don't know how real of an opportunity we have, but I reached out to Sean Hannity. Sean is doing an interview with Julian Assange tonight, face-to-face -face interview. It, uh, it purports to be groundbreaking. So if, uh, if we have a chance to get Sean on for a couple of minutes, uh, I'll do it. Uh, it might be a snowball's chance in hell, I know. But I think that would be fascinating to see what's going on there. And, and why? Why is that so darn fascinating? Well, J Julian Assange himself has a pretty interesting take on the entire Russia situation and uh, the, the 
I, I don't want to use the word hacking. This was Podesta falling for a phishing scam. Grandpa got on the computer and gave up his password and name. But Assange actually, in, in the clip they released, seems to uh, support that it wasn't the Russian government. Listen to what he said. We can say, um, we have said uh, repeatedly uh, over the last two months uh, that our source uh, is not the Russian government uh, and it is not a state party. So it's not the Russian government, at least Assange says that, and it's not the state party. So who is it? Who is responsible for this? Very interesting. This will be one to watch. Um, I may go back to uh, the latest breaking news on the Don Lemon New Year's Eve night because there is one element of that uh, drunken binge that doesn't seem to have been picked up by many in the mainstream media. I'm very upset that uh, President Obama has chosen uh, next, w next Wednesday, I think it is. Yeah, the, uh, the 10th. The 10th, or is it a week from today? Uh, so it's next Tuesday. President Obama will be giving his farewell address to the nation, his final speech. He's doing it in Chicago. Why? Why Chicago? You're not from Chicago. You adopted the city. You co-opted the city. It was your springboard into politics. Yes, your library will be built there, but you're from Hawaii. You're probably going to end up in Hawaii or California if Michelle runs for the Senate. So why Chicago? Don't they have enough problems? So that's next week. I also am upset with the president because he was on vacation he came back uh, yesterday in order to meet with Democrats and try and cobble out some idea of a plan to save his legacy, meaning to save bits and pieces of Obamacare. But as we heard from Rand Paul yesterday, it's a full court press to get rid of Obamacare as soon as possible. Rand Paul appears to be leading this charge. I'm happy to see a libertarian taking the lead on that. But Obama, instead of uh, doing what I think is better for the country overall, is there trying to rescue his legacy. He's there to protect his own butt. President Obama comes back from his vacation and tries to shore up what's left of his legacy. And the situation in North Korea with a, uh, with a report that they are close to an intercontinental ballistic missile, something that could go more than 3,000 miles from North Korea to anywhere meaning America, parts of uh, Eastern Europe. So this bobo in North Korea is threatening the world, basically. And what is Obama worried about? His farewell speech and saving his legacy. You had time to screw with Israel, sir, but you didn't have time to jump on this. Where is John Kerry? Where are you and John Kerry? All you had time to do was mess with one of our best friends instead of getting out there in front of the North Korean situation. Now, I understand through some of the, um, how to phrase this uh, without getting into trouble. Uh, I understand through some of the channels I speak to that we have special ops ready to go in case North Korea does something dumb, that we're, we are on alert. And that's where I'm going to leave it. But it would have been nice if we didn't get this far. It would have been nice if this 
this had been prevented, and I think it is preventable. So it's one of those one of those strange things. So we'll talk about that a little bit. And Rachel Maddow, I want to start doing something called the Maddow Meltdown at night on my little show, where we try and find one little meltdown from Rachel Maddow each and every day, because I think she is the example of what's wrong with progressives, what's wrong with the uber left. So last night, Rachel Maddow had a show. She was back when many of the talk show hosts were not. I guess she wanted to be ready for the new Congress when it started. So Maddow had a meltdown. And uh, I clipped up a little bit for you. So after the break, when we get back, why don't we discuss Rachel Maddow's meltdown? Because it relates to the new Congress. And it shows you the actual difference between the left and the right. The uber liberals and conservatives or people who are basically constitutionalists like myself. We'll deal with that next when the Buck Sexton Show returns. Buck Sexton. The Blaze Radio Network. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. You're listening to The Buck Sexton Show. Mike Opelka in for a buck today. He'll be back tomorrow. I appreciate the trust in turning over the keys to this, uh, this frequency, this time zone. It's been a, it's already been an interesting start of the year. At least here it has. As we look at, you know, 2016 just sucked. Can, can I just say that out loud? 2016, uh, don't let the doorknob hit you where the good Lord split you. Keep moving. Although one of the most interesting things of 2016 for me was Don Lemon and its train wreck television. I know it. I know I'm not supposed to like it, but I really, I really enjoy watching unpredictable train wreck television and while some people think those housewife shows are train wreck tv no they're scripted what happened with don lemon on new year's eve he started drinking in the eight o'clock hour almost four hours before they were going to ring in the new year so that by 10 and 11 o'clock he was hammered he even said at one point that he was kind of lit And if you listen to his speaking at the opening of it, and then at the closing of the show, you hear him. You hear him start slurring his words. If Don Lemon had been stopped on the road, he would have have been written up, and not for caffeine intake. It It was brilliant. It was wonderful. It was fantastic. But the one part of it 
that really got me that no one's paid attention to was at the end of the night. Don Lemon, well, Brooke Baldwin and Don Lemon were talking to a young couple who had just gotten engaged and they were talking about getting, uh, getting married in September of 2017. And I guess Don Lemon got, got caught up in the emotion of the moment because a half hour earlier as he was slamming tequila shots before he got a needle pushed through his earlobe and got a piercing live on TV, Lemon told Baldwin he was ready for a relationship. And maybe none of us knew just how ready Don Lemon was, but this happened. Where are you guys from? Utah. Utah. I was just in Zion. Brooke, will you marry me? And the music came up very loud at the end of that because the CNN directors realized that it was time to get away from Don Lemon. The last words we heard from Don Lemon on New Year's Eve were, Brooke, will you marry me? Listen to it again. Brooke, will you marry me? CNN cutaway to Nashville. I have tweeted out asking Brooke Baldwin if she gave him a reply. I know, it ain't happening. I believe Don Lemon uh, leads uh, what, what's properly known as an alternative lifestyle. So I don't think Brooke Baldwin is his type, is all I'm saying. Now, will Don Lemon get fired? I hope not. I think Don Lemon was doing uh, ultimate reality television. He was celebrating New Year's Eve. And I found it fascinating. I found it more interesting than Mariah Carey. Now, I think that was scripted. I think Mariah Carey having her little screw-up was just to get buzz about her dumb reality show called Mariah's World, which I won't be watching, I haven't watched, and you couldn't force me to watch it. Okay, I promised you guys the Mad Owl Meltdown. I don't know if I'm going to have time for the Mad Owl Meltdown. But let me give you this. We'll, we'll get to the Mad Owl Meltdown after the next block. The interesting thing is that, uh, that I wanted to talk about was the, the shooting in Istanbul. That 20, 39 people killed, uh, almost 80 people still in the hospital fighting for their lives. A guy from Wilmington, Delaware, was in there. The only American shot was in the, uh, the bar, and he survived, thank God. Uh, and, and he talked about it on NBC. At least I thought he talked about it on NBC. Apparently, he didn't talk about it on NBC. Hold on a second. His name was Rack. I was probably the luckiest person in the whole thing. I do find myself very fortunate. Uh, I was with nine people. Seven of us were shot. He was with nine people. Seven of them got shot by this guy. How did he live? How did he survive? What happened? He was walking on a bench above my head where my head was underneath. When he shot me, I didn't move. I just let him shoot me. I don't know where you get the instinct to play dead. And it's got to hurt like hell that somebody's walking on a table above you and shooting right down into you a few feet below. That instinct saved this guy's life. Mr. Mr. Rack, you're lucky to be here, sir. I hope you do something great with your 2017 and going forward. God looked out for you, sir. And we're happy you're alive. We hope the others get better soon. Come back, Mad Owl Meltdown is next.
Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. is uh, the Blaze Radio Network. It is not Buck Sexton, Mike Opelka, sitting in for my buddy Buck. He'll be back tomorrow. We are watching uh, stuff happen in D.C. as the new Congress begins. Now, last night, the news that the ethics changes were, were going to take effect and caused a, a full-on meltdown in Democrats and in some Republicans and in President-elect Trump saying, really, this is what you want to do? Horrible optics. I honestly don't know why they would have done that. Uh, it, it's amazing. So we are now hearing that the meeting that's taking place has yielded a, a flip, that they're not going to do that, that they're actually going to uh, change the rules to go back to the old way. Um, let me look here. I'm just getting reporting. Internal sources at the blaze. House GOP leaders pulled the proposal that would gut independence ethics paddle panel. So uh, that's pretty good news. Uh, it's also dumb, though, because you gave, you gave your opposition a real interesting look at a split in the party. You had Paul Ryan and Kevin McCarthy saying, this is not a good idea, and the rank and file voted to, to make that change. And it just it just makes it it makes it look really bad. So, you know, guys, you had it. You had it. Uh, And also there's breaking news. Uh, The Blaze is reporting, as are several sources now, Megyn Kelly will be leaving Fox to go to drumroll, please. NBC. NBC News Chairman Andrew Lack wooed Ms. Kelly away from Fox News by offering her a triple role in which she will host her own daytime news and discussion program, anchor an in-depth Sunday night news show, and then be part of the network's special political programming and big event coverage. I, I just, I can't see Megyn Kelly sitting between Chris Matthews and Rachel Maddow. I I don't know about this. Uh, it, it's, it's really bizarre. And speaking of Maddow, the Maddow meltdown, I've, I've talked to you about this before. I watch Rachel Maddow, so you don't have to. It's kind of public service, if you will. I, I do combat duty and endure the, the slings and arrows against conservatism on the progressive Rachel Maddow show. And I'm sure she's making seven to $12 million a year and, and talking about income inequality all day long. Just one of those things. So last night, and this keep bear this in mind last night, Rachel Maddow was deciding to spend about, Oh, about 10 minutes talking about the new Congress versus the old Congress. And what's happened in Maddow's mind, over the past three congressional terms, in other words, the last six years, was a crime. She absolutely hated the fact that the 
the 2010 midterm elections gave the House control back to Republicans. And she was furious at what didn't happen. Now, herein lies the difference between liberals and conservatives, between progressives and constitutionalists. I'm a guy who believes that the least amount of government is the best amount of government. Yes, we obviously need rules. We need a little bit of rules. A progressive wants more rules. They want everybody in your life under control of the big government. So when, when we had a Congress that was not writing bills every hour, it really bugged the hell out of the uh, uber liberals. For example, Rachel Maddow talking about the last three, the last three congressional uh, sessions. Since the Republicans took control of the House in 2010, the three Congresses since then rank first, second, and third as the least productive Congresses we've ever had since anybody started tracking the productivity of Congresses. At the now, first of all, you judge Congress on volume versus the quality of the law. So if you passed one really great law, you would not be determined to be as great as a Congress that passed a bunch of uh, bills or laws about changing post office names or little piddly crap. That's the way this is a, a key inside the mind of a progressive inside the mind of an Uber liberal. She continues World War II. This Congress just ending today also had the lowest confirmation rate for civilian nominees in modern American history. Civilian nominees. Maybe they didn't like President Obama's picks for certain positions. So they, they dragged their feet. And why not? If you have a chance to then turn things around, I think it's your responsibility to your party to do so, Ms. Maddow. So that, that's not necessarily unproductive to me. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Rachel Maddow continues. For the first time since the modern budget process was created in 1974, this Congress, for the first time ever, they didn't even try to pass a budget. Well, now, maybe that had something to do with the fact that the president would say, you pass that, I ain't signing it. Now, I don't like the way we did all the continuing resolutions myself. But I will tell you this, what's, it, you know, writing a budget that's only going to be ripped up by the president what is the old saying go in the Don Lemon household? What's the use in getting sober when you're just going to get drunk again? Okay, that was a low shot. Sorry, Don. But Maddow continues with her little meltdown here. At least in, in previous terrible Congresses, they tried and failed <laughs> to pass a budget. This time, they didn't even bother to try before they failed. This Congress that just died, uh, this, excuse me, this Congress that just ended today. Freudian slip? Freudian slip, Ms. Maddow, what did you say? This, excuse me, this Congress that just ended today. They also worked the fewest days of any Congress in the last 60 years. Now that's, that bears understanding. The fewest days in the last 60 years. Why, why is she bringing that up? The fewest days in D.C. You are elected to represent your district. And to me, that says they weren't in D.C. working. They might have been home in their district talking to their people. That would be a better thing for me 
than the opposite. Well, Rachel Maddow wasn't done there. She had a few more things to say about the 114th Congress that just checked out last night. Congress is less popular than gum on your shoe. Congress is less popular than gum on your socks. Congress is less popular than gum in your hair. And it has been for a good long time. But this Congress that is just wrapping up today, they are special. They have truly distinguished themselves for doing absolutely freaking nothing. Hmm. Absolutely freaking nothing, except preventing the last vestiges of the Constitution to be torn up and put into a pile for kindling for Barack Obama's final barbecue at the White House. Doing nothing is still doing something. If we, if we, if we make, quote, what was it, Rush? <laughs> if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. But I would prefer a Congress that does nothing than a Congress that makes a bunch of jackass rules and regulations and laws that will only hinder the freedoms of this country. Maddow goes on, but wait, there's more. That said, a new Congress starts tomorrow morning, and the new Congress that starts tomorrow is going to be very different. Than she sounds like she's a little scared. It's been for these past few years. I mean, it's possible they may be so atrophied from lack of activity that they're all going to sprain something when they raise their hands to get sworn in tomorrow. But barring that, we are expecting that things are going to get very, very, very busy, very, very fast starting tomorrow, which will be a new thing to behold after watching Congress do Zippo for six straight years. We have the last six years we've lived through have been the least productive time in Congress ever. Least productive based on whose standards. And this is the message. This is why we have such a time dealing with our progressive friends. It's because people like Rachel Maddow and Chris Matthews are out there saying, we're just not seeing enough bills passed. We're just not seeing enough government created. Because government doesn't create jobs, it creates paperwork. And it creates regulation. And it creates constraints and chains and shackles. And for the, for the simple fact that these last three Congresses have been controlled by the Democrat or by the Republicans and have been the least, in, in terms of Democrats' minds, the least productive, meaning the fewest number of bills passed, makes me very happy. It makes me smile, in fact. So I'm, I'm standing here applauding, learning that we don't have a productive Congress to look back on the last six years. But I'm also standing in great anticipation, hoping that all the promises we heard during the campaign will be fulfilled by this Congress. If not, I guess we'll just have to uh, take a page out of, out of the new Celebrity Apprentice and Arnold Schwarzenegger's book. And in 2018, they might hear this. You had terminated. Get to the chopper. Yeah, that's what Arnold said last night. When he, okay, I had to work it in somewhere. You're terminated. Now get to the chopper. I'm terminating myself. When we get back, oh boy, Hillary Clinton spotted. Yeah, I know. I know. Nobody knows where she is, but she was spotted, and we'll talk about that next when the Buck Sexton Show returns. This is the Buck Sexton Show. The Blaze Radio Network. 
Brock Sexton. New from Disney and Pixar, in association with the producers of Where's Waldo, comes a major motion picture for our time, ripped from the headlines, especially if the only headlines you see are on HLN. She's lost and all alone in a great big world, flushed from the headlines, trying to make it back home. Is she in the woods? Is she out of the woods? Is she in a coffee house? Is she being hacked by the KGB? Or in the secluded underwater prison, a captive of the evil Trumpfish, finding Hillary. Just keep voting, just keep voting, just keep the voting. The latest post-apocalyptic post-election animated classic featuring a two-dimensional candidate in a three-dimensional political world, finding Hillary. Opening Friday, ready G whiz, will you get over it? I love that. I love that. And I, I'll be standing in line to see that movie when it opens this Friday. I played that because... Uh, my buddy who works uh, at a radio station out of D.C., Chris Plant, posted a picture of Hillary at a restaurant all by herself. It, it, it's a table for five people. And she's sitting there all by herself. It looks really, really sad. And I actually, I actually look at it and I say, oh, oh, my gosh, poor Hillary Clinton. She's, she's lost twice now in runs for the White House. And she, she thought she had this in the bag. I feel so bad. No, I don't feel bad for her. The Clintons have been in power forever. Even Van Jones said the other, was it Sunday? Van Jones was on with Jake Tapper. And he said the Clinton era has ended. And I think that's a great thing. I think American politics deserves a churn. I get, I get so ticked off when I hear about people like the Dingle family, appropriately named Dingle family, who have occupied one seat in the Michigan, uh, a Michigan congressional seat for more than 60 years. Can you imagine? They have had a family member in that seat in Congress so long, that seat is known as the Dingle seat. It just, it just, it, it smacks me right in the head. And it says, no, what are you doing, people? There are no royal families in this country. And the fact that the American people said no to another royal family effort by the Clintons gave me so much hope. And yes, I'm not the biggest Trump fan in the world. I know I keep saying that. So if you are a big Trump fan, that's fine. Just know I wanted a constitutional conservative in that seat. I didn't get it. Maybe we'll get a constitutional conservative in the Supreme Court. And that, that will be the greatest thing that could happen. The greatest thing that could come out of this Trump presidency, in my opinion, is to have an uber- conservative Supreme Court. So, like a boy can dream, and apparently every now and then these dreams come true. So I've got, uh, I've got a breakaway here at the end of the hour. Uh, guests coming up, uh, I want to talk about the nuclear showdown with uh, North Korea, the potential nuclear showdown with North Korea, and what better person to talk to about that with but Gordon Chang, the guy who wrote the book, Nuclear Showdown, North Korea Takes on the World. I don't understand how North Korea doesn't collapse on itself 
the people are starving. What does North Korea make that they can sell to get all this junk to make all this military might? It's a mystery to me, but we'll ask Gordon Chang just around the corner. Mike Opelka of Pure Opelka in for Buck Sexton on the Blaze Radio Network. Come back. Join the party, won't you? You're listening to Buck Sexton on the Blaze Radio Network. Spreading freedom across the nation. This is Three, two, one. The Buck Sexton Show. It is the Buck Sexton Show on uh, January 3rd. We are on the third day of 2017. Mike Opelka sitting in for Buck. He'll be back tomorrow. I promise you. I swear to you. Pinky swear. So uh, I'll be here today. We have a lot to do. We're keeping an eye on what's going on as we launch the 115th Congress. Chuck Schumer is pontificating as we speak in front of the entire Senate. Schumer is, uh, he's on a bit of a tear against Trump. And the guy who got so mad at the Republicans for uh, holding Obama's feet to the fire called Obama uh, the uh, Republicans obstructionist is now basically promising to obstruct just about everything Donald Trump does if he doesn't like it. And he, he just uh, seconds ago said that, uh, what's the, I got to get the phrase right, because he's, he's not happy. A lot of, a lot of the uh, Democrats are not happy about Mr. Trump's use of Twitter. A lot of the media not happy about Mr. Trump's use of Twitter. And I will tell you, I think... I think the uh, the use of Twitter, brilliant. I don't always agree with what he tweets, but I think it's a way of getting around the media so they don't filter your message. Uh, Mr. Schumer, is this, is this what he just said? Our challenge is too entrenched for mere tweeting. Making America great again requires more than 140 characters Duh. per issue. With all due respect, America cannot afford a Twitter presidency. Chuck Schumer's been going at it for a while now. He finally sat down, and John Cornyn's up there. But uh, Schumer, Schumer is, is the last guy to talk. And look, I lived in New York for 25 years. Chuck Schumer fought for the people of the state of New York really hard. But he also fought for a bunch of bad stuff, a bunch of dumb stuff. He's the guy who would, uh, Chuck Schumer would want everybody to get free college. And Governor Cuomo in New York announced a, a plan to get free college to everybody who's in a family that doesn't make $125,000 a year or less. Everybody who earns under $125,000 a year, that family, they want to give free college. That's not the answer. The answer is not to allow free college for everybody because everybody shouldn't go to college. But it's also, it's, it's also not encouraging us to fill the jobs we need filled. 
the jobs that Mike Rowe talks about all the time. This, this makes me very angry. I get, I get tense when I see stuff like this because it's, it's, going to be, uh, it's going to be gospel from a lot of people. They're going to say, did you, hear what, did you hear what Schumer said? Did you hear his warning about Obamacare? Yeah, here's the warning about Obamacare. It is not acceptable to repeal the law, throw our health care system into chaos, and then leave the hard work for another day. Mr. President-elect, what is your plan to make sure all Americans can get affordable health care? We will get back to this. Chuck Schumer is, uh, he's not telling the truth. And I'll, I will break down where he's not telling the truth when we get back. Gordon Chang is joining us. Uh, I wanted to have a discussion about North Korea because when I saw the news this weekend about Kim Jong-un announcing he's, he's going to be testing an ICBM soon, I looked at my calendar and I said, oh, we're about to inaugurate a new president. Uh, that's usually around the time Kim Jong-un pops up with something like this. But uh, I, I asked if Gordon Chang could join us, the author of Nuclear Showdown, North Korea Takes on the World, and The Coming Collapse of China, two very important books. Gordon Chang, thank you for joining us at the last minute. I appreciate you being here, sir. Well, thank you so much for asking. Well, now, Gordon, as you look at this, as you look at the latest news out of North Korea with a with uh, reportedly an ICBM rocket that could that could travel 5,000 kilometers, 3,000 plus miles. Is there any reality to this? Is there any uh, real um, chance that these guys could have perfected this delivery system? Well, there is, because let's say within three years, perhaps four years, North Korea will have three launchers that will be able to hit the United States, lower 48 states, with a nuclear weapon. They already have the, the missiles to get here. Um, they just need to do two things. They need better shielding, and they also need to mate a warhead to those long-range missiles. But given those challenges, which they'll be able to meet, they'll be able to incinerate the American city of their choice, let's hmm. say by 2020, maybe a little bit earlier than that. So what, what you're talking about here when you see these two technological hurdles that that the uh, North Koreans have to overcome. The shielding refers to uh, protecting that, that ICBM as it re-enters the atmosphere and protects it from the heat upon re-entry. Yes, that's what they need to do. Um, okay. They have been able to create shielding for their intermediate and short-range missiles, but they haven't been able to do it for their longest-range launchers. But this is not something that is going to take them that long to do because – they already have many of the skills. So this is a, a threat which is, we know it's going to um, mature in the first term of uh, President Trump. Hmm. Not a good sign. Uh, and then the, the second technology refer, referred to, I believe, is the miniaturization of the nuclear warhead. And that also seems to be a skill set that's easily available, or, or at least they can purchase it somewhere. Well, yes, and we got to remember that they've already miniaturized a nuclear warhead for their uh, intermediate-range Nodong missile. So they haven't been able to do that yet for their longest-range missiles, we think. But then again, it's just a matter of three or four years. Wow. Now, Gordon, uh, pardon me for being so familiar, but 
you know, I, I just like calling you Gordon. Uh, in, in the case of North Korea, I have some friends in the intel community, probably not as many as you and Buck do, but I hear we have um, sort of special ops teams kind of on call in case this guy does anything dumb. Uh, what, what, in, in the, what could we do if he decides to test an ICBM? Would we shoot it down? We probably wouldn't do that. Um, I mean, we'd monitor it. Um, but I don't think that, um, you know, certainly neither the George W. Bush or Obama administrations decided to do that. And I don't think uh, Trump would either, um, because that means it really turns the conversation about us rather than where it should be, which is North Korea. Now, there have been many people who've been talking about doing that, including Ashton Carter, the current secretary of defense. But that was before he took office. Um, hmm. So this is something that is you know, discussed periodically. But the United States has never gone that way. Well, that's a. That's something to think about. Uh, we're talking with Gordon Chang, the author of the book Nuclear Showdown, North Korea Takes on the World. Gordon, how does, and, and maybe this is too simple a question, but everything we hear about North Korea is it's an impoverished nation. It's starved. Its people are, are, are they, they don't have food. They don't have all the basics. The leadership does. How does North Korea fund this kind of a weapons program? Well, first of all, um, they devote, and give it the first priority. Um, but, you know, they sell stuff to China. China buys a lot of its minerals, especially its coal. And, of course, North Korea is engaged in illicit commerce, like com- uh, counterfeiting U.S. money, methamphetamines, um, in trade in endangered animals, all the rest of it. Hmm. I had known about the counterfeiting of the money. I did not know about the meth. I, I, to, just to think of North Korea as the, the biggest meth lab in the world, it's kind of a frightening thing and, and, and not something that makes me very happy. Uh, and the, yeah. their relationship with China, I think, should be uh, uh, of concern to all of us. You, you've also written a book called The Coming Collapse of China. Is, is this a reality, too? Is, is China on the verge of uh, tumbling down? I, I think it is. And, and by the way, um, we've got to remember that North Korea sells weapons and its biggest customer is Iran where they earn somewhere between two and a half to three billion dollars a year um, for its various forms of collaboration with uh, the Iranians. So that's important as well. Yeah, with regard to China, yeah, I think the Chinese state is unstable. It has an economy that is growing maybe half the reported 6.7 percent rate. And we also know that they've been creating debt five times faster than gross domestic product. They have an incomplete leadership transition from Hu Jintao to Xi Jinping, the current ruler. And they've got a military, which is becoming much more influential in policy circles. None of this is taking China in the right directions. And I believe that the country is fragile. Well, it, when, when I look at China, I see the things you're talking about. I see the, the production of these ghost cities that were basically stimulus packages to keep people employed. But no one's living there. Nothing's going on there. And then I see these islands in the South Pacific that are basically military bases they've created. They rushed uh, from, I guess it was about 10 years ago, I went through a Defense Department uh, quadrennial review, and they talked about China building these smaller, quicker boats that they were going to populate these South China Sea areas with. Um, this, this all is disturbing to me because I think 
China is trying to do what the Soviet Union was doing before we we outdid them, I guess, in military might and ultimately crushed them. If that happens, if China crumbles under its own weight and its false economy, doesn't that also have an adverse effect on our economy versus uh, with our debt and and the stuff we buy from China? Well, it, it would, but you know we don't have to worry about debt. You know, China for more than a year and a half has been selling U.S. Treasury obligations. As a matter of fact, in October, um, they lost their crown as the biggest holder of U.S. debt. Um, the Chinese have to sell debt um, because they need to support their own currency, so they're really in trouble with that regard. And you know, of course, you know, a country as big as China, <coughs> excuse me, its failure is going to affect every economy in the world, but. You know, we don't need them as much as people think. Um, we run a big trade deficit with them. We can buy our shoes and clothes and toys from elsewhere. So I don't think that the effect on the U.S. is going to be as big as people say. It's going to be big, but not as catastrophic as people think. Well, that's good. We're talking to Gordon Chang. Uh, he's written some great books on both North Korea and China. And just two days ago, you posted the story. Uh, is Trump responsible for China's cash squeeze? And uh, you can you can find all of Gordon's articles at gordonchang.com. But in this case, is Trump responsible for this cash squeeze, Gordon? Well, Trump, um, China has a cash squeeze problem anyway. Um, I think what's going to happen will be that people are looking at what the president-elect has been saying. They realize that relations with China are going to get tense. And so, therefore... They're reconsidering um, plans to put money into China. Now, they were already doing that before the American election. But I think that Trump's election certainly has focused people's view on this. And so, therefore, China is viewed as a worse risk than it had been before November 8th. Wow. Well, I, I, I get nervous with China just because the, the military might that they've been developing and their take on Taiwan uh, which which will always be the the real China to me because that's the China I grew up with, and and I get nervous for those folks uh, in Formosa, and I hope nothing nothing untoward happens in that relationship, but I still think China thinks that they own them and they're going to eventually get them back. Um, maybe Mr. Trump has scared them. One last question about China and the economics: Is the best way to understand China's selling of our debt? And pulling, uh, getting rid of American debt and, and selling that stuff off. Are they basically covering shorts in the stock market of their own, their own economy? No, no. What they're doing is they're trying to support their own currency, the renminbi. The way to do that is to sell dollars. Their currency is way overvalued right now because people don't want to hold it. Last year, there may be $1 trillion of net capital outflow, according to Bloomberg, and so, essentially, Beijing is trying to keep money inside the country. And the way to do that, uh, one way to do that, is to try to keep the currency at an elevated value. Hmm. I know Russia, or the Soviet Union, did that in the 80s, too, and it failed miserably. Uh, when they, and, and I remember Mexico trying that when I was in Texas in the 70s, and you couldn't take much out of there either. Uh, that looks sounds like a failed policy to me. And as you said, coming collapse of China is the title of one of your books and the other nuclear showdown North Korea takes on the world. Gordon Chang, thank you for jumping in and help us understand this. I'm very nervous about it. Should I be? You definitely should be. But thank you very oh, much. Great. great. Thanks, Gordon. Take care. Wow. You know, 
just yesterday on Morning Joe, a guest said to the panel that the thing that keeps the Pentagon up at night is North Korea. And I don't know why the president isn't spending the last two and a half weeks he has at least working on this problem. I guess he's got a speech to give in Chicago next week. Mike Opelka in for Buck Sexton. We'll, get, we'll be back after this. I've, I've got an update on a couple of stories next. This is the Buck Sexton Show. It is the Buck Sexton Show. Mike Opelka in for Buck. Uh, Pierre Opelka returns live tomorrow evening, 7 to 10 p.m., usually Monday through Fridays and Saturday mornings. Join us, won't you? I've often said Buck's audience is one of the smartest groups of people I've run into, as well as the Pierre Opelka audience, and you guys are proving it. On the Twitter, you're joining me on Twitter, at StuntBrain is my Twitter handle. I tweeted earlier that... uh, you know, I uh, I would love the swearing-in ceremonies to in- include actual swearing, and many of you uh, responded, good, we're glad you're paying attention. I also posted Chuck Schumer saying that uh, uh, we can't afford a Twitter presidency, and uh, Will tweeted back, uh, no, it wasn't Will, Steve, Steve Filippi tweeted back, Translation of Schumer's comments, we haven't figured out how to control Twitter yet. Very astute, sir. Very astute. That is, in fact, what the government is trying to figure out. Because Trump has actually trumped all of those people who they wanted to control him. The media wanted to control Donald Trump. And just the way I said Vladimir Putin alpha-mailed Barack Obama with his move on the embassy... Donald Trump has alpha-mailed the media and gone completely around them. They can't control him if he uses Twitter. Now, I don't agree with everything he says. A lot of it really ticks me off. But they're going to belittle what Trump does. They're going to try and make fun of what he does. So, Chucky Schumer, your comments, they might be snarky like this one. Like I thought like this one. On January 20th, we won't be in reality TV, we'll be in reality. You know, that's when he gets all smiley and he tries to say, didn't I do a good one there, guys? We won't be in reality TV, we'll be in reality. Yes, we will be, Chuck. And the reality is the Republicans hold the House, they hold the Senate, and they hold the People's House. And we, the people will be heard. When we get back, uh, more news of the day, plus some some weird stories. I, I think I need to ask you guys about this dog story that I told yesterday. It made some people really mad at me. That's coming up next on The Buck Sexton Show. The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Dispensing the truth. 
This is Buck Sexton on the Blaze Radio Network. I'm not Buck Sexton. Not even close to Buck Sexton, but I am Mike Opelka of Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. And we are watching the day. I was just uh, monitoring CNN because they have several split screens covering all the events of the day with the opening day. And it's kind of like the first day of school or the last day of school. Nothing really is getting done. There's a whole lot of family members rolling in and out. And uh, just a few minutes ago, Biden and Schumer were uh, with uh, a bunch of folks who were being sworn in and and getting their uh, photo taken with the vice president and the uh, minority leader in the Senate. And it looked like. Okay, forgive me for this. It looked like a visit from a senior center. It it really it really looked like a bunch of old folks had pulled up in front of the Capitol and got the tour. And I think this is part of the reason why the Democrats have lost so many seats in the Obama administration's era. Because the party never brought new blood in. You look at the bench, even Harry Reid realized it, looking at the bench that the Democrats have. Early on, when the Republicans had 14 candidates or so, the average age was somewhere in the mid-40s. Sure, we got a 70-year-old guy who won, but you had Rand Paul and Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz. You You had a youth movement, and you had diversity with with uh, two Latinos, a female, an African-American. It, it was a wonderful mosaic. And I think that's why across the board, across the nation, the GOP has had the leg up. And Democrats haven't figured that out yet. And maybe I should just shut up and, and not, you know, not mess things up for them. But they're they're perfectly capable of messing it up for themselves And let's hope they continue to do just that. Uh, Big news of the day. A couple of things in the big news department. Megyn Kelly leaving Fox for NBC. That's big news. She's going to to make a lot of money. Not that she wasn't making a lot of money right now. But she's going to have a major role with NBC. I just don't know how she's going to sit between Rachel Maddow and Chris Matthews. That's got, and maybe Matthews is headed out. Maddow cert, certainly is not, but that's a big one. And uh, the, the other one that's uh, just crossed over the wires, and I think it deserves an attaboy. I think it deserves a pat on the back. The Bushes have said they are going to, uh, they're going to attend the inauguration. George W. and Laura will attend the inauguration. Especially, uh, especially big, this news is especially big because Bush was openly opposed to Trump. So this is, uh, this is yet another triumph for Donald Trump. And, and I think in the interest of party unity, I think this is a big deal. Now, I just, I just don't know how Jeb is going to see George at the next family picnic and say, Really? Really, pal? I was, the, I was the slow one. I was the tired, low-energy one. And you went to the inauguration. But I do think country, 
and party will unify these folks. Just saying. Check it out. Uh, and speaking of the inauguration, something going on. Uh, I, have, uh, I have many friends, as, as most of you know, who listen to my show. As most of you know, I, uh, I live in Delaware. I live in the woods in Delaware, surrounded by a bunch of anarchists, communists, uber-left-leaning uber progressives. I am the town conservative, uh, and they all know it. They all point and go, it's him. When they tallied the votes for our village, I think there was one vote for Donald Trump, and I think it was mine. But there certainly were a lot for uh, uh, Jill Stein. There's a lot of Priuses here with Jill Stein bumper stickers on them. So when I heard about the DNC trophy that's being offered, I actually ordered a, a whole bunch of them. If You know what? If Glenn would let me do it. Oh, man, we got to figure out how to do this. The DNC trophy. I'm supposed to be covering the inauguration. And if I'm in, in D.C. for that, that moment, I should hang out and also stay for the protest march the next day. And we should, we should be selling these at the protest march. What, what am I talking about? Well, this, this is, it sounds funny, but it's an actual product. If you want to see what it is, go to, and I'm not making a nickel off this. I have, I have bought some of these. It is a, a product called DNC Trophy. You can see it at dnctrophy.com. Here is the sort of tongue-in-cheek ad that they made. Do you have someone special on your gift list? No, we mean special. Someone who hasn't shut up since the election. A special gentle soul who needs a participation trophy to feel wanted and appreciated in a seemingly unjust world. Then do we have the gift for them. Put away your microaggressions, Pablo, because we're bringing the country together. DNCTrophy.com. DNCTrophy.com is the perfect place for your perfect little snowflake who's emotionally distressed over the election. Oh, the humanity. Even when they lose, they can still get a trophy. Afraid mean old Republicans might make them get a J-O-B? Get them a DNC trophy. Do they need a safe space? Send them a DNC trophy. Are they still watching CNN? They need a trophy. And you can send it to any liberal you like. Schumer, Pelosi, Warren, doesn't matter. A beautiful trophy that says, you participated in the election and although you didn't win, participation is all that matters. You're still a winner in our hearts. Yes, a DNC trophy will make your liberal friends feel better instantly. You can buy one or 100 because this is America. And we can do that again. Making America great. One trophy at a time. DNC trophy. Get your buttercup one today at dnctrophy.com. dnctrophy.com. It's a real deal. And I think, uh, you know what? I got to get Glenn on the horn. I know he threw his back out this morning when he came back. But if, if we could take 100 of these to D.C., and set up a table and maybe sell them. And I bet you people would buy them before they realized that we were poking fun at them. The dnctrophy.com, if you want to see it, it's actually, you know, a cheap little plastic trophy. And it has a winged woman holding a, a circle over her head. And in the middle of the circle is, of course, a snowflake. A beautiful snowflake. 
So it's, uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful idea. Uh, if any of you are going to the inauguration, uh, you should let us know because I think there will be some blazers in attendance. I know Robin Walensky will be there. I will be there. The DC crew from theblaze.com will be there. I don't know if Buck will. I, I need to talk to Buck to see if he's going to be covering it from DC, but I am, I'm planning on being at the swearing in. I'm planning on trying to sneak into at least one presidential inaugural ball and God knows what else, but we shall see. Uh, earlier, I was speaking about President uh, Obama and his, um, his speech in, uh, in Chicago next week. And some of you made comments about it. I did, too. So did Emily Zanotti of uh, Heat Street. But Frank Luntz was talking about President Obama. Frank Luntz was specifically discussing Obama and uh, his last, uh, I guess, this last tour of his. And I thought Frank had a pretty interesting take on it that I wanted to share with you. The key point here is that this is not really about making it difficult on Donald Trump. If Trump did this great tour of the country, and they called it a victory tour or a thank you tour, Obama seems to be doing a, and I've been trying to figure out the right language so I don't get fined by the, by the FCC, a... F you tour. I, I, I guess that's the best way to put it. Okay. In that he is so critical. I, I think we'll all be okay with that. <laughs> I think so. He's been but so that, that sort of that, that captures it in your view, huh? Yes. What he has said about Hillary Clinton and her campaign and drawing that contrast. What he has done to uh, Israel and to Benjamin Netanyahu. That there are people that he has had political difficulties with, and those. And by the way, Republican members of the House and Senate. The people who he's disagreed with over the last eight years, he's gone to great pains to draw a contrast between uh, the things that he says and the things that they have done in a way that makes me think he's trying to settle scores before he leaves. And that's not presidential, particularly for someone like Barack Obama, who is such a great communicator. I would have expected more from him. Hmm. Frank Luntz nailing it. Hammer hitting right on the head of the nail. Well done, sir. I'm going to step aside. When we get back, I want to talk to an old colleague of mine, works at another outlet these days. Jason Howerton is, uh, has a story that, that they uh, uncovered, and it's about something at the U.S. Capitol that is really ticking me off. It's offensive to law enforcement. It's offensive. Anybody, anybody should be offended by this but especially our friends in law enforcement. And we will talk about it and explain it when the Buck Sexton Show returns. This is the Buck Sexton Show. On the Blaze Radio Network. show on the blaze radio network it is the buck sexton show michael pelka in for buck he'll be back tomorrow we uh we're doing a little bit of chess moves around here so i'm in for buck he's in for rush you know i was in for glenn yesterday it's it's a busy busy time of year for those of us on the platoon team at the blaze radio network i will be back in my usual spot uh 7 to 10 p.m monday through friday starting tomorrow night 
So please join me. I mentioned that I had a, a former colleague who's going to chat with me here. Uh, I got to work alongside of Jason Howerton for quite a while at theblaze.com. I think it was almost four years. I'm in my seventh year now, as of this week, at The Blaze, which is kind of stunning. That's an eternity in any kind of media outlet. But here I am. And Jason is over at IJR.com. If you haven't visited the Independent Journal Review, check out Jason's stuff. Uh, I, I like him as a person. He's kind of a funny dude, despite the fact that he... He always picks winning football teams and then gets on board and cheers them on where I will be loyal to the Chicago Bears until I die, no matter how bad they are. But uh, Jason wrote a story last week I wanted to talk to him about. So I'm, I'm happy you're here, sir. Happy New Year. Do we have Jason? I don't hear him. Jason, I'm, I'm not hearing him at all. Now I think he's there. Mr. Howerton? Yeah, am I here? Am I on the air? You're, you're here. I, I thought maybe you were, uh, you were not talking to me because I, I slammed your football loyalty. Well, you have to remember, you only say that because every, you say that I only cheer for rooting football teams because I'm always cheering for the Packers, which is always a <laughs> winning football team. So I completely I understand where you're coming from as a Bears fan who uh, I can't remember. I think I was in college the last time you guys saw a playoff game. So I understand the, the, the upsetness that, that comes with yeah, that. Yeah, we were Super Bowl in 2007 was the last time for the Bears. With Rex Grossman, and, of all people. Good Lord yeah, Almighty. And we, we got our butts kicked, but but that's a that's a different story. And we almost had a dismal enough season to get a top draft pick, but Cleveland outdid us. So I, we can't even screw up right, you know. It just it's <laughs> maddening. But uh, you guys you guys had a story that came out just before the new year that I thought uh, we need to talk about, and we also need to uh, get an update on it. This painting of the cops portrayed as pigs. I've got two minutes. Go. Yeah, this was nuts. Um, I got a tip from a congressional aide um, in Congress who was walking by, and he saw a couple cops like huddled around this something on the wall. And he was like, "What's going on?" And he walked over there, and he sees this this image of of cops who are they're either pigs with you know tusks, they're like hogs, uh, you know, basically terrorizing a black neighborhood, pointing guns at them. Uh, Michael Brown is depicted as like a saint on a on a cross that looks like a you know the 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 um, the weights of justice and, and stuff like that. So uh, obviously when, when we broke this story, it, it, it traveled pretty far and wide pretty quick. Um, so the update here is uh, he's not – the congressman who's kind of responsible for this, uh, Congressman Lacey from uh, Missouri, is kind of doubling down. Uh, I half understand his argument. He's saying they don't censor um, you know, art, but at the same time, I don't think it would be acceptable for um, – you know, for flip it around and have, you know, black people terrorizing cops. I don't think that would be acceptable either uh, to be hung in the U.S. Capitol. But he says he's not taking it down. Uh, it's staying up. It, it'll automatically be taken down eventually after this. Um, it was part of an art contest uh, from high school students. So eventually it will be taken down naturally, but they're not going to remove it based on the uh, protest of, you know, police groups are really upset about this. Um, I, I'm kind of the most upset for the cops who have to work in the Capitol. Um, yeah. Where, to, where, where's the okay. Where's the respect for the cops who are there to protect the members of Congress? They're, Lacey they're, Clay. They're putting their lives on the line for them, and they and then they hang this photo up. So um, I think it was uh, it, it was a big deal. What I was surprised about, Mike, is this thing apparently has been up for a while. 
and mm. I, I did a lot of you know back uh, ending research, and I couldn't find any reports on it. It was like nobody either noticed it or thought it was uh, newsworthy. I guess I don't know. Maddening, maddening. I'm up against a hard wall. Happy New Year. Come back on my show, would you? Anytime. J- Join me, sir. We'll be back. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Listening to the Buck Sexton Show only on the Blaze Radio Network. Micah Opelka with you on the Buck Sexton Show today. Buck will be back tomorrow. We just finished talking to John Fund about the uh, Julian Assange interview that's going to happen tonight. And in case you missed Assange's words about uh, the uh, the hacking and what we know about that hacking allegedly from Russia. Uh, and and John Fund, who who's not exactly a fan of Julian Assange, uh, said uh, he was dead right on this when he said this. We we can say, um, we have said uh, repeatedly uh, over the last two months uh, that our source uh, is not the Russian government uh, and it is not state party. Yeah, we know. We now know that Podesta, Grandpa Podesta, uh, answered a fishing expedition. P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G, expedition, and ended up uh, getting, getting all of his emails hacked. And for those of us who ended up uh, with our own emails exposed, because I had sent some emails to uh, people within the Clinton campaign requesting interviews and some, some other things, um, my emails were forwarded, a couple of them, to John Podesta, which meant they were part of the WikiLeaks, which meant they were out there for the whole world. And guess what? My cell phone number is in my signature on those emails. So I had to change that number. Thank you very much, John Podesta. I wish you'd have paid the number change fee. That was like 40 bucks or something. But uh, that, that was a little irritant that I didn't need, but I got it anyway. I've uh, been monitoring Paul Ryan as he is reelected Speaker of the House on the opening day of the 115th Congress. He He's basically saying all the same stuff you would expect. Let's work together. Let's salute the red, white, and blue. He saluted his family. And it's it's like a, a State of the Union address. When, when Ryan says something that has his party applauding, I love it when the camera pans to the Democrat side and there's a bunch of people sitting on their hands, a bunch of frowny faces. And you can see people checking their phones. I wonder, are, 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 they, playing, are they still playing Candy Crush? I don't think they're playing Pokemon Go because they'd be up walking around. But you actually have some people standing and applauding while the other side of the aisle, the frowny faces, the Pelosi party, is sitting there in their, what's it called? Resting what face? Yeah. That's kind of what's going on there today. Now, uh, there was a story uh, yesterday that popped about the Carrie Fisher, uh, the unfortunate death of Carrie Fisher at the age of 60 and her mother then dying just a a day later, Debbie Reynolds dying. And and Dr. Jorge talked to us 
last week about the fact that, yes, you can die of a broken heart. But there's a, a wild twist in that story. Disney is going to get paid $50 million because Carrie Fisher passed away. Now, doesn't that sound weird? Disney took out basically a key man policy, an insurance policy for a key player in that movie. If Debbie, if, if Carrie Fisher, not Debbie, if Carrie Fisher was unable to complete her work as a general organza or whatever her name is now, I, I still call her Princess Leia. If Carrie Fisher was going to be unable to finish the three films, Disney would get a $50 million payout. And so that's what's happening. Disney gets a check. And, and it's not unusual. The, uh, the insurance companies are writing these policies on every major film where you have a big star. Every single one. So it, no surprise that that happened. It's a surprise that you actually had a big star pass away during the filming. That, that almost never happens. So I, I don't think this is... Uh, this is a common occurrence. It's, it's a horrible, unfortunate thing for the, the family. And I guess we are going to have a double funeral. Now, i got to get to this topic. It's a sensitive topic. It's a story that lit up the phones yesterday. And I, w- I want to hear from you if you want to be a part of this discussion. Uh, I, I'd love to hear your opinion on this. There's a couple in, in Brooklyn, New York. I don't know if they're hipsters. I don't, I don't know what they are, but they are, they are the people who have a, a puppy, a French bulldog puppy, and the dog is not well. In fact, the dog is so sick, it has required more than $155,000 in veterinary care. $155,000. The people had pet insurance. So a majority of the pet uh, veterinarian bills were covered by the insurance company. But this, this couple did say they had to go into their own pockets uh, for something in the tens of millions of dollars. Not tens of millions, tens of thousands. <laughs> that would have been ridiculous. Tens of thousands of dollars for this little puppy named Jones. He's uh, probably three years old. Now, the deal here is Jones is not well. He has to have uh, constant medical care. He has, uh, he survived some pretty tough diseases, but he now has to take nine pills a day that the, the owners have to give him. Those pills include antibiotics, steroids, allergy vaccines, anxiety medication. So what do we have, the dog on Zoloft? They have to feed him prescription dog food that must be eaten while he is in an upright position. $155,000. And this is a three-year-old dog that will go on for God knows how many years. The people, are, the people say it's worth it, but they, let's face it, they have insurance that's covering a lot of it. And I, the, the dog lover in me loves the dog, but it's obviously, in my mind, it's not a... This is not a wise decision. Am I wrong? Am I right? 888 900 
what would you do in the case of Jones, the French Bulldog? The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Show. It's Mike Opelka in for Buck Sexton today. Buck will be back tomorrow, and I will be back on Pure Opelka tomorrow evening, 7 to 10 p.m. as we are Monday through Fridays, and then Saturday mornings with the early morning Rage Crew. Join us, won't you? Uh, January 3rd, what is today? They always keep track of those days. Today is National Fruitcake Toss Day, so uh, fruitcakes can be used as a weapon today. I encourage that. It's also uh, National Chocolate-Covered Cherry Day. That sounds good about right now. Uh, I asked a question on Twitter, and I'm, I'm being uh, eviscerated, excoriated. I've, some people are just giving me the finger about the, the Brooklyn-New York couple and their French bulldog, who has already cost somebody $155,000 in vet bills and uh, requires nine pills a day, including anti-anxiety medication. That, to me, says a lot. Anti-anxiety medication. This dog is in discomfort and in distress. And I, I think the humane thing to do would be to get another dog. Now... I say this because in the, in the course of thinking about this, I started thinking about all the dogs available for adoption, all the healthy dogs available in shelters. And somebody turned me on to a group called Freedom Service Dogs of America. It is a, a group that rescues dogs from shelters, healthy dogs from shelters, that are obviously not going to be adopted because they're not puppies, and puppies are cute, and that's why people adopt them. But they rescue these dogs, they retrain them, and, and then they give them to members of the United States military veterans who need a service dog. And if they have extra dogs left over, people can apply to get a service dog from them as well. So these freedom service dogs are enhancing the lives of people with disabilities. Many of them are our veterans. And I think that's, to me, that's a, and I know, I know I, I'm not going to be the socialist guy who says better use of, of the money, uh, how to use your money. Those people can spend it however they want. I just, it just feels to me like I would do it differently. So what I'm going to do is focus on, on operations like Freedom Service Dogs of America and put out the word for them and try and get more people to pay attention to these organizations because I believe we, we will be judged by how we take care of our veterans and we need to take care of our veterans. We're not doing it right yet. We're not even close to doing it right yet. So crazy story, crazy story that's out there. Uh, and, and for those of you uh, who wonder, 
uh, we we did put it through the uh, Blaze writing staff, and it's pretty much split right down the middle. You know, I said a hundred and hundred and fifty five thousand dollars is is two Teslas in the driveway, or maybe a whole bunch of service dogs trained for veterans. And I was told we well, can't cuddle a Tesla, and my response was. You've obviously never driven a Tesla. Speaking of cars, there's some big car news today. Donald Trump earlier today made a comment uh, on Twitter, of course, about, the, um, about, about Chevrolet and GM building cars in Mexico and saying that, why are you building the Chevy Cruze in Mexico and then bringing it across the border? And uh, if, you, if you don't build the car here, we're going to slap a tariff on you. Well, it turns out, apparently, Mr. Trump had some bad information and that the Chevy Cruises built in Mexico are sold, about 99% of them are sold around the world. They're exported to other countries. The Chevy Cruise that you will see on the road in America is built here in America, Mr. Trump. So you, you kind of screwed up on that one, sir. But Ford, Ford was scheduled to move a, uh, another operation to Mexico. They had planned to spend $1.6 billion on a new manufacturing operation in Mexico. And today they announced, uh, we're going to cancel that. We're not going to do that. We are going to instead take $700 million of that $1.6 we had budgeted, and we're going to build a bigger operation in Michigan, expand the electronic vehicle and hybrid, hybrid offerings that they have. This means about, oh, 700 new jobs for, uh, for the people in Michigan. So those are, those are two big bits of news in the automotive world. And, uh, you know, I think even Democrats have reluctantly given Donald Trump credit for the Ford move. The Chevy thing was kind of a screw-up, and I, I wonder who gave him the information on that. Because you, you don't tell him that that's the deal you don't tell them that uh, if, if the Chevy Cruze is being made in this country, somebody should have known that. It's just crazy. Uh, other notifications that uh, I'm, I'm getting today. Oh, this is one that, that really ticked me off. The, um, the activist Pamela Geller, who's with AFDI. Pamela Geller, the American Freedom Defense Initiative, somebody who is um, fighting against the jihad attack in this country uh, nonstop. She's always fighting for uh, Israel. She's fighting for freedom. She's fighting against uh, the, uh, the radical Islamic terror around the world. And one of the things in radical Islam is female genital mutilation. It's, it's a horrible thing. And today, just today, the AFDI posted on its, on its YouTube channel a brand new video about this subject. Now, you're probably saying, well, that's a horrible subject. Yeah, it is, but it's also something that's going on around the world, that young girls are being mutilated in the name of Islam. And so... Pamela Geller's cameras went to Columbia University right here in New York. 
and they asked students at Columbia. These are college students at an Ivy League school. They asked them if they would be okay. Would you support? Would you support female genital mutilation at Planned Parenthood, and funding for this at Planned Parenthood? And some of the answers will shock you. Listen to college students on this topic. If the families are choosing that they want this, it's okay. I mean, who am I to say no to, to what somebody wants to do okay. in that sense? It's their body, right? Would you support Planned Parenthood funding for female circumcision? Yeah. I mean, if it's like what the family wants. What about you? I don't know. How do you feel? I've actually read <laughs> a lot about it in other I countries. I have so I don't know. Yeah. And like, people are constantly going to other countries and fighting to end that. So that's a little... I didn't know about this. That's I mean, there's a, a movement disturbing. to end male circumcision, too. So these, these mostly women at Columbia University, right in, in New York City, are being asked about mutilation. And it's predominantly young girls again. These are parents who think they are doing something religious for young children. And there are zero health benefits for girls and women for this, this mutilation. Uh, it, is, it is, in the words of Pamela Geller, the worst kind of misogyny. They continued talking to these women. The answers were astounding. If that was what somebody's choice was, then I would say that, then sure. But I think Planned Parenthood is all about a woman's right to choose. So Planned Parenthood is all about a woman's right to choose, but these are girls being brought in. They are underage to be mutilated. I, I, I'm, my jaw is dropping every time I watch this, and there are more. Do you support Planned Parenthood funding for female circumcision? I would, yeah, absolutely. If it's pro-choice, it's up to everyone, each his own. If it's pro-choice, parents taking their kids in to have them mutilated in the name of a, a radical religion. They asked uh, 20 people about this, 20 people, 20 students outside of Columbia. Only one, only one gave a clear no. Listen. So would you uh, support Planned Parenthood funding a female circumcision? No, I would not. You wouldn't? Why yes. wouldn't you support it? Because I think it's part of a woman's right to own their own sexuality and to have like pleasure yeah. <laughs> about it. And it's something they should have the right to choose. Thank God at least one woman stood up. It, it's just we are raising a bunch of sheep at these universities. I, I think I need to order more of the DNC trophies. I need to, I need to make sure I have at least 100, maybe 200 to carry down to D.C. and hand them out at the event the next day. Just shocking. It's absolutely shocking. All right. I'm going to step aside and take a break. When we get back, I will update you on the latest because there are, there are uh, more bits and pieces trickling out of D.C. today on the first day. Uh, by the way, everybody, tell your liberal friends there was no recess appointment of Merrick Garland. We told you it wasn't going to happen. You wasted all that time signing petitions. It's not a good idea. You, you look silly doing it. We still love you. But it was never going to happen. Now the drama. Who will Donald Trump appoint, anoint as his Supreme Court justice? We're going to have to wait till after the inauguration, obviously. 
but we will see what Congress gets moving on after the day one festivities wrap up. Michael Pelka in for Buck Sexton on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Mike Opelka wrapping up the Buck Sexton Show. Thank you for being here with me today. Buck will be back tomorrow. Uh, You know, a couple of bits of breaking news about the inauguration. Earlier, we mentioned uh, that uh, George and Laura Bush will be there. And I think that's good. Good for the country. And just now, uh, Bill and Hillary Clinton are saying they will attend Trump's inauguration. Uh, and, And that came from aides from both of the Clintons. So it's not like they put out a joint statement, which always kind of makes me laugh. That why do they have to put out separate statements? Why do you have to get different people? Can't we just say uh, the Clintons will be there and put out one statement? No. And the story we talked about earlier about Ford canceling the Mexico plant and moving those 700 jobs to the U.S., adding those 700 jobs, the CEO of Ford flat out said that is a vote of confidence in Donald Trump. A vote of confidence in Donald Trump. I think that's a good idea. That's a good thing for all of us. Uh, The market's up another 42 points today. It was up over 100 points earlier, but it's it's back to looking like it could flirt with 20,000 on the Dow. We'll keep an eye on that. Uh, Paul Ryan spoke, as Nancy Pelosi did speak, but, you know, you don't want to hear that. But Paul Ryan, as Speaker of the House, addressed the Congress, the 115th Congress this, mor- this afternoon, and he talked to both sides of the aisle. First, uh, his comments, a brief summary of his comments to the Democrats. And so, to the minority, I want to say this. We've never shied away from our disagreements, and I do not expect anyone to do so now. But however bright of a contrast that we draw between us, it must never blind us to the common ground that we share. We must never shy away from making progress for the American people wherever we can. And so as your speaker, I promise to uphold the rights of the minority. I promise to hear you out and let you have your say. If I had to sum up, it would be this. Agreement whenever possible, but at all times, respect. I hope that's the case. Agreement wherever possible, but at all times respect. Ryan went on to address the Republicans gathered in the majority. And to the majority, especially to our returning members, I want to say this. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. This is the kind of thing that most of us only dreamed about. I know because I used to dream about this a lot. The people have given us unified government. And it wasn't because they were feeling generous. It was because they want results. They do want results. And I'm glad Ryan put that out there. And if they don't get results, we the people will make changes just as we did six months ago, six weeks ago. Yeah, okay. Ten weeks ago. We didn't think this was possible. If you really took a survey of the polls ten weeks ago, 
it looked like the GOP was going to lose the Senate. It will have a diminished presence in the House. And Paul Ryan would be damn lucky to still be Speaker of the House. And Hillary Clinton would have been president. Instead, he's got everything he wants. Everything is laid out in front. Now all you have to do is achieve it. And you do that by marching forward the way the first term of Obama, the way the Democrats did when they had uh, the filibuster-proof control of the Senate and they owned the House. You just got to keep your head up, keep marching forward, Paul Ryan. And don't forget that we, the people, will be watching. Michael Pelka, in for my friend Buck Sexton. We will be back on the regular schedule on Puro Pelka tomorrow night, not tonight. And Buck will be here in his chair. And uh, I appreciate you being here. From the constitutionally protected You're free speech to zone. Buck Sexton on the Blaze Radio Network. or more to the IRS? Get on board with the tax admiral. Don't pick on the IRS alone. I'll cut penalties and reduce your overall tax bill. Sometimes I can even get it zero.